Hello, Kachibonas. Today, I'm very excited to have Israel and Sunem Bovad of the Money Truth Myth podcast. We're going to be discussing financial literacy, especially as first-gen students trying to get their finances in order. But first, Israel and Sunem, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and doing this joint collab episode. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to talk about money. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. We're about to spill the tea. We're going to be hella anti-capitalist up in this bitch. You know what I'm saying? So I hope y'all are ready. I hope y'all are ready for some real ass conversation and some joy because this is a real conversation and joy. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's really important to say that this is going to be anti-capitalist or as much as possible when when talking about this um, because this is a leftist podcast and I know there's a lot of first-gen students that listen or graduates or professionals that listen and I think sometimes there's like an unease about talking about money if you're a leftist and you're first-gen because you know you're supposed to be talking about career fulfillment or something <laughs> But, or like, oh, you know, if you have anti-capitalist values, then why are you investing in the stock market? I think those questions come up a lot. So I'm really excited to unpack that with you all. Yes, girl. And I feel like, you know, as much as we want to abolish capitalism and we're working towards Mm -hmm. that, like, we got bills to pay, bitch. (laughs) Yes. You know, we got bills to pay and they're due, honey. They're due. (laughs) And we ain't got no rich parents or, you know, generational wealth to pay our bills. Right. Right. And Unfortunately, we have to, part of our anti-capitalist lens is like leveraging money to live our best lives, Mm -hmm. right? Like knowing when enough money is enough. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's really important. Yes, us leveraging money not to work. Yeah. We're talking about just now like a bitch is burnt out. We've been burnt out, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's giving it's a generational burnt out, bitch. (laughs) That was kind of not work since yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Same same for me. And a lot of people don't like talking about money because you're like, well, you know, I shouldn't talk about money. It's a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. But in reality, when we get our finances straight, our money right, like we're able to give ourselves more options, the option to like not work for a whole year like Israel did recently and like just live happier lives. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think people with wealth are just in a different place in this conversation because I am my mom's retirement plan. And so... I just do have things I need to get in order. And I think it's important to share the knowledge so that people can partake knowingly and however they want to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, boo. Because we can't ignore the realities, the money realities that we face, right? The the Mm -hmm. responsibilities that we carry because we're first generation. Yeah. And so as much as we want to like, not invest in or invest in conversations surrounding money because it's tied to capitalism. Like money gives you access to resources that you need just to live. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we have to address it head on and try to navigate that system in a way that's sustainable, that's healthy for us, that's healthy for our communities. Um, And doing that is hard. I'm not going to lie. Right. Doing that is Mm -hmm. hard, but It starts by having these conversations. Yeah. I think this is a good segue into the first question that we wanted to discuss, which is 
is investing in the stock market ultimately just investing in a capitalist system and supporting it? Yeah, that, that's actually a great question. And the answer to that is yes and no, mm-hmm. because we do live under a capitalistic society. You know, the model for businesses is like to profit on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And when we invest in the stock market, like we benefit from that profit. At the same time, it's, it's a no, because you can use the money that you're building in, by investing to live a better life for yourself, but also for your family and your community. And so that's why I say it's a yes, but it's also a no. And like living better is in like working less, which I think is anti-capitalist. Yes, it's working less, having resources to heal, like having resources to gain mental health. Yeah, having resources to like still and heal intergenerational trauma. And I girl, I got a lot to say about this. So let me start. You know always got something to say, girl. You know always got something to say. So (laughs) I, you know, like, you know, black people, indigenous people, people of color, like we our bodies were exploited and continue to be exploited to build the US economy Mm -hmm. and build the global economy. Okay, mm-hmm. with the legacies of colonization and modern day anti-blackness and, and modern day racism, like I, I bring this example all the time. Like, who do you see working at Walmart? Like low income black and brown and people of color. You don't see all white people working at Walmart, but guess mm-hmm. who is getting the profits at the top? The rich white man. Mm-hmm. Well, we are people, we're being exploited, we're being paid so little. And the profits are going to the rich white man. Mm-hmm. So us investing in the stock market is us reclaiming what's actually ours. Mm. That's our motherfucking money because our people are the ones who are producing that, right? Who produce that surplus that they have. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. we're reclaiming what's ours, right? We're reclaiming mm-hmm. the resource, natural resources that the U.S. government to give to these corporations took from our home countries, right? Mm-hmm. So we're reclaiming that. But it's, it's an interesting tension because at the same time we're reclaiming that, but we're also, you know, perpetuating capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the contradictory existence that we live in because of just the systemic forces. But at the end of the day, like us reclaiming that money because it's our money and we're using that money not to exploit others, but to work less, to heal. I think that's critical. That's critical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I really agree. And I also think because of that history of exploitation that you just outlined for Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, then, you know, to get yourself in a place where you don't have to work that hard, I think is especially radical given that history, you know? Like, I think any person who's like, I don't want to work, I don't want to, like, buy into this capitalist system of more and more and more all the time, I think that's already radical. But for us, it's even more so because of that history. It's like you said, you know, we're talking about generations of exploitation from the U.S. and in a lot of ways actually propped up global economies. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, I think, something important to discuss because I feel like sometimes there's like a first-gen guilt because you don't want to participate in the exploitation of your communities, you know? And that's why you started your caveat of saying like, we're taking this money to heal, to buy property where we can like have our families stay and we're not using it to like do a startup and exploit people. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really critical and it is complicated, but the thing is the vast majority of people are participating in capitalism. There's like a really small group of people that 
aren't, <laughs> that are just totally off the grid. But the reality is that most of us have to contend with this. And and I not I don't see anything wrong. It's like I think it's good for us to be financially literate, to know these options, to to work less. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like when you're investing in the stock market, like once you build a certain amount, you can decide to like, hey, I want to use this money to only work three days a week right? instead of like working the five days or how, how much time you work. Like I know my parents grew up working so hard. They had to work long mm-hmm. hours. Well, when you are building wealth, you can like maybe retire your parents too. Maybe now they can work less because right. you're you have this money to provide for them. And something else that I want to bring up is that now in investing, like there's ethical investing where you can choose to not invest in companies that are like ruining like the, ruining our planet, the planet. Yeah. So like fossil fuel, like Bank of America, or like mm-hmm. other those big banks that are ruining our community. There is ethical investing too, that if you don't want to participate in giving money to those companies, you can. Which I really appreciate too, because it's just always important to do things with intention, I guess. And I think, you know, investing in like fossil fuel companies would be the exception to what we've been talking about here, because if that continues, we're not going to have a planet to live on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I laugh, but I'm really being serious. So, right. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's super important to keep in mind. Another thing that we wanted to discuss was purchasing a house or purchasing property in the U.S. And this is kind of similar to the first topic of discussion because I think there's also a lot of feelings of guilt around owning property, especially if you are someone who's anti-capitalist or who doesn't believe in private property. So what do you all see as the pros and cons of purchasing property in the U.S. as Black, Indigenous, and other people of color? Asia, do you want to take this question? Because I know you have a lot of thoughts about owning property in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I used to own property. And Yvette went to my property back in the day when I had it, right? And to be quite honest, y'all, like, owning property in the U.S. gave me so much anxiety. And for a variety of reasons. But now that I'm thinking about it, and, you know, you're posing this question to me, I think it partly stems from me just not wanting to own anything in this country because there's so much violence here. Um, And me wanting to own property, if I do become a property owner again, Mm. in my home country, you know, there's also, you know, history of violence there as well, obviously, right? Especially Mm -hmm. to indigenous people in Mexico where, you know, where I was born. But I just don't want to live in the U.S. And therefore I... Yeah, period. Here. Also, I feel like, you know, but for folks who do want to own property who are of color, I fully support you owning property. Owning property is radical, especially like for Black people who were modified as property. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so like as a Black person owning property, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's so powerful. Yes. That's mm-hmm. so, so powerful. Also, given the histories of colonization in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and manifest destiny and all these things, like, 
California mm-hmm. used to be part of Mexico. So as a Mexican owning property in California and or in the Southwest, it's also very powerful because you're reclaiming what was yours, your, your people's property, right? Um, yeah, so those are my initial thoughts. My little hot take for now. <laughs> <laughs> I like thinking about how there's flexibility. And uh, one thing that I've learned about since moving in Arizona is that you can... Um, it's like sort of like a purchase, but also sort of like renting property on native reservations. And you basically have, it's like a lease to stay there for your lifetime. And then when you die, the land goes back to the indigenous reservation. So it's like a way to support the indigenous reservation. And then also like, you know, do so in a way that is ethical considering the colonization of the U S Uh, And then another thing I've thought about too is that I'm pretty sure that I don't want to have kids. And so if I was to buy property, like I'm pretty sure I would just in my will, give it back to whatever tribal nation that land is on when I die. I think that's another ethical way to do it. And it's like, this is why I like talking about these things and they can be, I guess, uncomfortable subjects. But when you really start to think about it, you see like there are options especially if you are someone who's trying to do this ethically and it's never going to be perfect. I'm not going to tell you that, or like, it's never going to be not problematic, but you can move in ways that are better ethically than not. And I think it's better to do that than to be paralyzed by inaction because you're so afraid of doing something wrong. I also just want to point out though, for folks, if you are thinking about building generational wealth, like property is only one way that you can do so. I feel like in a lot of first-gen yeah. communities or immigrant communities, like we we see mm-hmm. building wealth just primarily by buying property, and that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's like something I want to demystify, yeah. right? Like you can build wealth in other ways. A lot of us are like socialized, deeply socialized, to believe that like for us to feel comfortable, like economically comfortable, we have to own property, and that's. A- Huge pressure for some of a responsibility you don't have to mm. right you don't have mm-hmm. to um, only if you really want to and question why you want to right mm-hmm. it's like part of that healing process is part of healing that money trauma questioning why you want money questioning why you want property questioning why you want these material things you know is part of being anti-capitalist because consumerism brainwashes us and that's a branch of capitalism, like buy, 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 bitch, you stress, you finna buy, right? Bitch, you sad, you finna buy, because mm-hmm. capitalism is brainwashing us. Mm-hmm. Let's like actively think, mm-hmm. developing that self-awareness and be like getting those tools to reject that um, is really powerful. And that also includes property. Like really think about why do you want property? Yeah. And it also does take time because I remember when I wanted to buy a house, I was thinking that I wanted to buy like, you know, this big house. And I'm like, I really want to own a house like that. But now when I started thinking about why do I want to own a house like that, it was because capitalism makes us think that the bigger your house is, the happier you'll be. Yeah. But in reality, you're not. Yeah. When I started questioning, I'm like, am I really going to be happier in this big house? And I'm like, no, because I'm going to have to clean it. I don't like cleaning. Okay. Um, owning a property like that big, <laughs> I'm going to have to spend so much money. I'm going to have to keep on working long hours, be tied down. And I don't want that. Like I want to be able to move wherever I want. And it just took time for me to question that. And now when I see like those big houses, I actually 
I feel sad for the people who own it because like you're tying yourself yeah. down. Absolutely. And I feel, I feel like it's intentional, right? I feel like it's so intentional for you to like, okay, I'm making more money now. Yeah. So, you know, my little small house. The 30 year house, mortgage. And then you're like tight now. Like, yeah. bitch, I got a big ass mortgage, right? Like I have to keep on working. I have to, even though I'm making so much money with my big ass house with big ass property taxes, I have to keep on working. And the system is how, you know, the, these systems are like, keep on exploiting your body. Right. And so we need to be very, very careful and reflective of like, why do we want property? Because if you really want it, because, you know, you want to build generational wealth, you want to give it back to indigenous communities, you want your own space, like, yes, boo, get you your little property. I'm mm-hmm. here for you, boo. But if it's because of a capitalistic mm-hmm. brainwashing, then I'm like, okay, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Let's just, you know, unpack it a little bit more. I agree with that too, because. I think that what you mentioned about healing is really important because I still need to unpack, you know, why it is that I so badly want to own a home. And I think that a big reason for me is that I went through a lot of trauma because my parents were renters. You know, we were evicted and the eviction happened when my parents were trying to, you know, buy money and to eventually, or sorry, they're trying to, um, to pay the mortgage to eventually own the home and it they resulted in an underwater mortgage and the bank uh, evicted us and they sold the house so i think that the idea of finally owning a home to me feels like having peace Mm -hmm. and stability but the thing is that as you said there's other ways to gain that peace and stability and so it's also like what do you want to be able to do with that piece or what does stability look like? Because maybe you want to travel the world. So that's something to consider. Um, and I think when you do have those childhood traumas, it definitely feeds into your thought process for how to live as a safe adult. And I think that that fear, it does make sense because the economy is terrible, but at the same time, like I am in a fundamentally different financial position than my parents were. And it's just like really hard to actually accept that as a first gen. I just still feel so anxious about it all the time. And I feel like it's going to be taken away. I'm scared of my childhood trauma happening to me basically. (laughs) And I appreciate you like encouraging me to reflect on why I want that because Owning property is, it's a lot more work than I realized. And actually, this is something I've learned from you all's podcasts and you all's posts. Like you said, when you shared the reason for selling the home that you had before was because you were stressed out having to find tenants, you know, having to do all the landlord stuff for them, even when you're trying to travel, fixing stuff, and then property taxes, which... I, you know, I didn't know about obviously because my parents never owned property. Those can be substantial. And it's like, hmm, it's not giving the peace and stability that I thought. <laughs> um, if I'm going to have to keep working, like you said, because then it's like, well, am I going to have to keep working then? I had this vision of my little house that I would have when I didn't have to work that much, but I don't want to have to keep paying for yeah, that, so, you know? So much to unpack because the other thing that folks don't know is like, even though, yeah. I, you know, I was a landlord and one, I hated being a landlord, first of all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to be the best landlord, right? You were the best broke, landlord, right? I was like, though. my broke ass, like, trying to be ethical, you know, I was trying to be ethical, you know, trying to be people. 
<laughs> and it was rough out here in these streets. I can tell you that much, right? So, yeah. that but also the thing is, even when you pay off your mortgage, <laughs> a bitch still has to pay property taxes mm-hmm. and home and insurance. Home and insurance. Don't work. Yeah. Guess what's coming out? Who's paying for that? You, right? And it's like, and the thing mm-hmm. is, and I'm so glad that you brought up um, mm-hmm. money trauma of it because we always say like. Especially if you suffer from a lot of money trauma growing up in poverty, growing up because we live in a patriarchal, homophobic, all this fucked up world, like healing your relationship with money yeah. is as important, if not more important, than you building wealth or whatever you want to do with your money, right? Because if you don't heal your relationship with money, yeah. if you don't heal that money trauma, right, then you're still going to suffer from anxiety. You're not healing, right? You're just not healing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. My sorority sister told me that this is kind of something she talks about with her therapist all the time. She'll express a fear and then her therapist will be like, but how likely is it that that'll happen? And she'll think about it and she'll think about like all the resources that she has. She'll be like, well, no, I guess it's probably not going to happen. And that's like what I need to remind myself too, because I think like, I think about renting as like always being beholden to a landlord and like, being subject to a random evictions. But the thing is that first, like evictions can happen when you're trying to be a homeowner as I experienced. And then also I'm a lawyer and my partner's a lawyer. We're probably like the two hardest people to evict. (laughs) But it's, it's again, it's just like a failure to accept, like I'm in a different position Mm -hmm. now. And even just having confidence to be able to talk this through, like in this podcast right now is so essential because it's just, I realize this just in talking out loud right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, my therapist does that to me too. She always tells me like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Let's talk about that. And I, and that always makes me feel so good afterwards because I'm like, well, even if the worst thing happens, I still have a plan for it. Right. And even if you get evicted, like you're not in your parents' position, you have the money to rent another place. Exactly. I think the last question we wanted to talk about before kind of posing financial scenarios was generational wealth and why it's important for BIPOC to try and build generational wealth. I feel like we touched on it already, but just to kind of like really hammer the point home. Um, So I think like building generational wealth is really important for Black, Indigenous people because like you said, where we're claiming back our money that the U.S. stole from us. And also, like, we're giving ourselves mm-hmm. options, options to live the life that we deserve, that our ancestors wanted for us, you know. Um, so, like, if we want to work today, mm-hmm. then we can. If we want to have enough money to go on that dream vacation, we can. If we if we want to give ourselves five years of break without working, we can. And that's why it's really important to build that generational wealth and we also talk about generational wealth is not only money. It's also like what you're teaching mm-hmm. your kids, your nephews, or nieces, and like the people around in your community, even teaching them like, oh, you can invest in the stock market at an early age. They're going to be able to be wealthy mm-hmm. faster than you were. Yeah. Generational wealth, like Sunan said, is beyond just the money. Mm-hmm. It's us imparting a healthy money mindset, a healthy relationship with money to those who come after us. It's imparting healthy money habits. Right. And I always say this too. It's like, I 
hate when the mainstream uses the racial wealth gap because it makes it seem like black indigenous people of color need to catch up and in reality as history shows mm-hmm. it's the racial wealth debt like yeah. this country owes us billions and billions yes. of dollars for everything that has taken from us right I think terminology is really important because mm-hmm. it really shows who's accountable for it. It's not us. A gap shows us that we're like, you know, deficient or something. There's something wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Why don't we got money? Yeah. Right? It's like, mm-hmm. bitch, because you stole our money, bitch. You took it from us. <laughs> we worked and you took all our shit. Right. Right. You took all our shit. And so I feel like generational mm-hmm. wealth is the money component. It's reclaiming what's ours. But most importantly, it's like, just being healthier, right? And and leveraging money to give us options, to give us mm-hmm. options to leave a toxic ass relationship, to leave a toxic job, mm-hmm. to leave just toxicity, right? To leave a toxic economy, right? Capitalism just exploit and you know, make us work, 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 mm-hmm. work, work. And so like money, like building generational wealth is having that healthy mindset as well. Yeah, I think that's super, super important. One of the financial scenarios that I wanted to discuss is when should like young professionals start investing in the stock market ideally, especially when so many of us do have debt that we need to pay off. You know, is it necessary to pay that off before you start investing in the stock market, for example? Yeah, so that's a great question. And that's a question that I wish I had known the answer to before. You don't have to be debt free to start investing. You can honestly invest and pay off debt at the same time. But if you do have like credit card debt that has like really high um, interest rate, then I would always suggest you pay that one off first before you start investing. But if you have like student debt that has like a 4% or lower than that, um, or even a 5%, like you can always pay off debt and invest. Let's say somebody hasn't budgeted before and they don't do it because they see it as restricting themselves. Like, they just don't want to be responsible. <laughs> they just kind of want to, like, you know, just do things, not look at the bank account. Hope it's all okay. <laughs> Ask you for a friend, bitch. Ask you for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know my ass is shady, bitch. <laughs> Ask me for myself. <laughs> Well, girl, we always say, we always say this, budgeting can be as restrictive as you want it to be, can be as loose as you want it to be. The main purpose of a budget is for you just to organize your finances, right? And so in that budget, make sure that you are putting in things that bring you joy. You're not going to take out those things that bring you joy. So I can tell you that much, right? Like Margarita, bitch, you know that's in my budget. that's important. Going on trips, you know that's on my budget, right? But yes. it's like me, like, and, and it goes goes back Travel. to this anti-capitalist mm-hmm. lens of like, I am prioritizing and, and and using money that brings me joy and healing and growth, and like being mindful and intentional with that, right? And that's what a budget helps you do. It helps you become intentional with your money. It helps you be like, I'm gonna organize my money, and I'm gonna organize in this way yes. because I know that this brings me joy. I know I need a budget for therapy because if I go on this trip, I ain't gonna know therapy money. So you know, I love going on trips, but I prioritize therapy a bit more. So I'm not gonna go on that trip so I can 
pure for my intergenerational trauma, right? Yeah. And something else we always mention is that a budget is under your control. Um, a lot of people think that when you create a budget, mm-hmm. it's not under your control. Like, oh, you have to stick to this thing. But no, a budget is supposed to change because you change as a person. So if you you know, decided that you love traveling because you went on a vacation, you're like, oh, I want to do this. You can go back and tweak your budget. It's not supposed to stay in one, you know, specific budget. It has to change. So a lot of people just believe that budgeting means that you have to restrict your spending. It's kind of like dieting. If I'm dieting, this is how much calories I can eat. But no, not really. It's not. It's like dieting is not sustainable. Having a really restrictive budget is not sustainable either. So make sure that you do prioritize some fun money and things that make you happy because you're going to be able to stick to it for the long term. Yeah. And the other thing too is that like if if you need accountability, that's completely fine. Then you know, we always encourage folks to build just like money systems in place for you to have that accountability. Because sometimes for some people, it's really hard for them to like organize your finance. Mm-hmm. But if you put money systems in place, such as when you get paid, your money goes into certain accounts, you don't see it, right? Then that's a, a money system that you're like, bitch, I don't even have to budget. My money's already going to these places and I already have this money to spend. I have this money to pay bills, X, Y, and Z. That's super, super helpful. And I, I am just so excited to like put more of these into practice and to have the coaching bonus do it too. Yay. <laughs> um, before we get into our like outro, I wanted to have you all explain to listeners what you all are trying to do with the Money Cheesemans podcast and the Dream Teacher Project more generally and why should someone sign up for y'all's services? Yeah, so in the Dream Teacher Project and the Money Cheese My Podcast, we empower teachers and women of color to get their money right so that they are able to build the life that they deserve and have more options. Yeah, so our lens is completely anti-racist, it's culture responsive, it's as anti-capitalist as it can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just really want our communities to heal from the money traumas that were imparted on us by histories and systemic forces. And we just really want our communities to be able to have access to the resources that they need so we can just live our best lives for ourselves and for our communities and for those who come after us. And um, we do offer like one-on-one coaching to folks who are interested. And so if you're like, yo, I really just need that support And, you know, we leverage our lived experience, right? Like we Mm -hmm. leverage the fact that we are also working through money trauma because we grew up queer, of color, women, you know, all these things, right? That most financial educators can give you that. Um, And we we prioritize making sure that we, whatever you want to accomplish with your money, that's what we're going to help you do. And we're not here to judge. We're here to help. Uh, Personal finance is personal. And we always emphasize that, your money habits, your money situation is not a reflection of your humanity. It's not a reflection mm-hmm. of your worthiness. And we just want you to thrive financially, whatever that looks like for you. I love it. Um, I'm sure there's so many kachimonas that are going to go y'all's way. The last question that I like to ask this season is, what has been inspiring you lately? Because, you know, we all need a little bit of inspiration in these times. 
Hmm, that's a good question. That is. A good, oh my God, what a thoughtful question, bitch. I know you're you a thoughtful bitch. I know you're a thoughtful bitch, okay? <laughs> and it's like, I really like when people are like, you know, I haven't thought about that lately because then it reminds you like, oh my God, I need inspiration in my life. I, I think something for me that has inspired me lately is traveling. And this mm. is because before I couldn't travel, I used to be have to be in an office and now I work remotely so I get to travel and I realized that every time I travel so I travel once a month I'm able to like get out of my routine and actually come back enjoying my life my everyday like I come back like oh I love my routines but before when I didn't used to like get away I would hate my routines like oh my life's so boring but now I'm like oh my life's so fun I love coming back to my routines Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's giving thoughtfulness, okay? It's giving thoughtfulness from all parties. Um, for me, I so like I mentioned earlier, I I was not working for eight months. Well, that's fine. Me, I was a delving girl. I everybody, I highly recommend if you have the resources, the opportunity, take a little cute little sabbatical. Like one hundred percent recommended. And I was delving into creative projects like Money Teesmith, Dream to Project, and, I, and you know I really enjoyed doing that. But, like, what I was telling Sunem was that I, and I was traveling to different parts of Mexico, you know, mm-hmm. I was seeing how I was thriving. And you even drink good whenever you're in Mexico. Okay, girl. <laughs> you even drink good and eat good. Okay. Everything. Se les antoja? I was like, yes. <laughs> 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 I'm waiting, I'm waiting, oh, my God. No, a mí sí me antojó mucho that I flew out to Merida to be right. with him for a oh, weekend. Wow. Oh my god, you're an influencer. Yeah, it's giving influencer, right? Influencer. <laughs> um, but in that, I have so many epiphanies of it. Of that, like, it's so mm-hmm. powerful when you don't work. Yeah. How, like, how much you heal, how much you get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And, like, I used to draw so much, like, joy and, and I, fulfillment from working. Like, I used to be a teacher for five years. Yeah. I, like, I love serving my community. Even prior to that, you know, both you and I had, like, really served. Um, our communities I just realized during that time that I actually extract more joy from like just being just yeah you know and I'm like I'm not ambitious anymore I don't want all these (laughs) little goals I don't want to have all this wealth I don't want none of that I just want enough money so I can just live a good ass chill life and I learned Mm -hmm. that from all these tendencies that I had to overachieve, like all of these things yeah. on because I feel like at the end of the day, all of those were unhealthy for my body. For yeah. My health, yeah. All these patients, all this socialization. Like I was able to be like, no, bitch, you really internalize that. And now that you're experiencing like even more happiness, you deserve that happiness. You deserve yes. happiness. Like, I was able to feel that so vividly these past eight months. And that is inspiring me because I'm working towards that. Like I want that again. Yeah. Yes, I can. You know. Yeah. And so that's been really inspirational for me. I love that. Um, I want to work towards that too. I want to build well so that I can work less. I'm gonna have to hit y'all up honestly because <laughs> I, I gotta sort my finances out because I'm just now really rethinking buying property. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, what is my financial goal going to be then? But my thing is like, I just, I want to work less. I love travel. Sunem, I like, I hear you because I think I need a home base. 
because I do love routine. I'm a Taurus. Like I need that routine, but I also love getting out of it and like getting to the point where I miss it. Um, so the thought of getting there is what's inspiring me lately. Mm, I love that boo. And when you remember that we can make our wildest dreams a reality, we have the power to do that, to do yes. that. We're magical. We're powerful. Like we're, we have all these things that we can make our dreams a reality because there's abundance in this world. Even if capitalism yes. and all these other forces tell us not to believe yes. in that. Yeah. Yes. So you got this boo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was such a lovely conversation of it. I'm leaving this conversation really inspired and my heart is full. It's always full whenever I talk to you, boo. Um, And remember y'all to live, teach, and secure the bag. Yes! I love that! (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all. Hope you enjoyed this episode.